thank you for joining us today for the Conform to Christ podcast, where we aim to engage the mind, affect the heart, and call people to follow Christ. My name is George Mays, and with me is Jay Jones. What's going on, man? Text-driven Tuesday. It is text-driven Tuesday. Beginning of a week. Look at you right there. Look at you. You're leaned a little bit to the side. I'm looking. Aren't you? Do you look a little bit leaned? Oh, I don't know. Am I? I don't know. It might be an illusion. I think it's uh I think it's the optical illusion of the uh camera angle of those these signs back here. I don't know. Yeah, maybe. I don't okay. know. Okay. Maybe it's because I went to the chiropractor and they, yeah. they straightened <laughs> straightened me out. <laughs> I've I've actually been crooked. <laughs> 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 and now I'm not. Yeah. Well you've heard it. God can draw a straight line with a crooked stick. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> that applies to you. All right. <laughs> Yeah, I go, so I go to the chiropractor last Friday, and uh, you know they put you on that table, and he's filling my my lower back and my hips, and he, bam, <laughs> and I feel my hip, I feel my hip shift. He said it was way out. Yeah, you were probably like walking uneven. I even. felt I felt um, like when I stood back up, I felt different. Wow. So. But uh, I don't know. My my back still, it still hurts. Yeah. I don't know. Well, you know. It is what it is. It is. You know. <laughs> you just got to learn to live with it, I guess. Yeah. It's, it's just um, Well, you know, they do the, um, so this is my first time, so they're doing a lot of evaluation and, and uh, uh, movement. You know, they tell me to move one one direction. Does it hurt? And I had to really stop and think about it because I'm so used to yeah. feeling this <laughs> feeling this pain that I had to stop and think. Yeah, it does hurt. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you just realize you hurt all the time. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. Uh, rate your pain on a scale of one to ten. I I don't know. I'm so used to it now. It's, <laughs> it's just normal, I guess. Oh goodness gracious! Oh well. Yeah. <laughs> wow. Well, George, I already I already found a few things for free for all Friday. Oh yeah. Yeah, but but who knows? By the end of the week, it'll probably already have changed. Yeah. More crazy things will probably have happened. Right. But I screenshotted a few things. Okay. Yeah. I, you I gonna keep those? To... You gonna keep those secret? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. All right. <laughs> um, I don't know if I've seen anything yet. I mean, just nonsense with uh, everything going on in the White House right now. But I, I don't know if I've seen anything. Yeah, it's too too out there. Yeah, yeah. It's well, we could go on. I mean, the week the week is young. Yeah, yeah. the week is young. Um, who knows? Who knows what? But it is Easter week, and we were talking about earlier how um, last year was during the blip. Mm -hmm. We call I'm calling it the blip. That's what they call it at Marvel, where they you know they disappeared, but because all of our lives were on hold for a year, calling it the blip. Yeah. So we're back. This is and Easter came fast this year. I'm like, hell, is it is it April? Right. Like what? We're returning back to normal life. Time's starting to fly. Yeah. Yeah, I can't believe we're already moving into April. I'm a little discouraged in our town, though, that, uh, you know, they removed the mask mandate, uh-huh. and you go into town, and, like, everybody's still wearing it, and they're going to look at you like a weirdo if you're not going to wear one. Hey, whatever. You know what? It's been um, it's been a week since they, they removed it. I I went into Walmart the, the day they did it and just walk through without a mask yeah it was nice yeah i mean there was only maybe two or three other people that weren't wearing masks but mm-hmm. uh no one really said anything look if you're going into walmart you already know what you're walking into mm-hmm. right and if you think a mask can save you yeah. <laughs> from whatever's well, I, lurking <laughs> i've got a i've got a simple and a i've got a very simple mental exercise yeah. to help with people that actually trust these masks uh-huh. like you think these masks will protect you from the coronavirus well here's my simple test okay would you don a mask and go into the same room with someone who has ebola 
Is there anyone on the planet that would say yes? I wouldn't think so. Which thus reveals yeah. that everyone knows deep down in their heart that <laughs> right. it's all a sham yeah. and that mask is not protecting you. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. <laughs> I just, I don't understand how uh, it's continuing to go on. <sighs> I don't know. You know, you, um, you're walking into a, a big store and that stuff didn't arrive on the shelf magically. Mm. Like you got people who are putting that stuff on the shelves and you don't know anything about what they're doing. You don't know if they're sick. <laughs> I used to work at Walmart. Like people would come to work sick. Yeah. Um, unless you're going home and unless you're wearing like gloves <laughs> and you go home and you wash everything off, like you're bringing stuff in that you don't necessarily want to bring home. Right. Like we live in a world that's got some risk. And uh, we talked about this before. Um, different people have different levels of, of risk that they're willing to take. I'm willing to walk through Walmart without a mask on. Like that's a risk I'm willing to take. Yeah. But George, you're probably killing people. I'm that's probably killing say. people. That's They're what people dropping, say. dropping I, left and right. You don't care about people. Right. You're selfish and you're probably killing people walking through Walmart without a mask on. Right. That's that, that's how ridiculous these arguments are. <clears throat> hey, if there's like three people that aren't wearing masks and everyone else is wearing masks, if the masks are protecting you, then you're probably fine. Yeah. Like I'm not I'm not hanging out next to you at Walmart. <laughs> you know my personality. I'm not <laughs> I'm not next to people. I stand pretty far off, so, um, you know, I'm I'm still keeping the uh, the arbitrary six feet social distance from people. Mm. I'm not gonna. I think people probably should keep a six feet distance from strangers anyway at a store. <laughs> <laughs> not be breathing down their neck. You're not one of those people that hugs a person when you first meet them. Is that what you're saying? I'm not. Nope. <laughs> I couldn't no. imagine. Yeah, <laughs> I know. I know. You just learned learned something new about me. <laughs> uh, well, what do you say we jump in here, George? Let's do it. Let's do it. All right. So we're still in John chapter 17. Yeah. How do you feel about it? I, I feel pretty good about it. I like this. Uh, I wasn't sure with this one. You know, most, most uh, people that I've looked at who've done this chapter... They didn't do a standalone sermon on these verses, mm. but I thought that they should be by themselves. Yeah. I don't know. What did you think about that? Yeah, I, I think so. I think you probably could have done one just on verse 17. Probably, yes. I think so. Yeah. That's why they end up, you know, preaching 58 sermons. <laughs> right. <laughs> People did do that. Yeah. But I wanted to kind of hold those together as uh, they're, they're held together by that. How do, you do, how do you do 50 sermons? on 26 verses a lot of them become a topical sermon mm -hmm. on a doctrine right. that's what i've noticed when i've looked at these that have done that yeah they'll they'll turn a <clears throat> they'll turn a a text it may have a uh, a doctrine that maybe hasn't come up doesn't come up a lot and they'll they'll just they'll preach a, do a doctrinal topical but you kind of miss the uh how it's all held together i think yeah if you do that. Well, I don't want to get you into trouble with anybody, Jay, but we were talking about a sermon that you listened to that you thought the preacher got it wrong. I don't even know what you're talking about now. Okay. <laughs> well, Wait, no names, no names. Okay, no names. Okay, you were listening it's coming to, back, you were it's listening, coming back you, to me. You said you listened to a, a, a well-known preacher yeah. preach this section. Yes, yes. And yeah, you yeah. felt like, this this guy got it wrong after yeah. and this was early in the week so after you after you got done with all of your your own study and yeah. and you you developed your own sermon outline do you still think that he got it wrong well i would i wouldn't say they got it wrong he preached correct truth so he's not preaching anything wrong right but the emphasis <clears throat> of it was all on personal holiness okay right yeah and it was a conference type sermon, and that is true. That is uh, the meaning of sanctification, or one of the uh -huh. meanings to be made holy. And so, right. as it applies to us, we go through a process of continuing to be made mm -hmm. 
holy. But the emphasis of sanctification in this passage is not on that. Okay. It's part of it. Right. The main emphasis is on being sent. Okay. So set apart, mm-hmm. right? That's sanctification. As well, we might be getting ahead of ourselves. Sanctification means literally the most literal is to be set apart, mm-hmm. and the and the whole purpose of it in seventeen through nineteen is that the set apart people are sent mm-hmm. for a reason. Okay, so they're set apart for use by God. Right, and personal holiness is going to play a part in that. You, you can't separate. Right, and we'll we'll talk about that as we get into it, mm-hmm. but. Okay. Well, I mean, it's just a, uh, it's a reminder. You, you were talking about how if you, if you just take it out of the context, you can get it. You can miss. You, get, you can miss what actually is being said. Yeah. And you, even, even, you know, well-known guys can do that. Yeah. And I, I think that that would probably be a, a, a big, um, that'd probably be a big temptation at, like a conference. That's right. If you're if you're just doing mm-hmm. one sermon and you're not spending as much time on the context of the entire chapter. So okay, well we're in uh we're in John chapter 17 verses 17 through 19 and you've been walking us through Jesus's high priestly prayer for the last what was this? This is the fourth. This was the, this fourth, the fourth sermon. Fourth one, yeah. So for four weeks, you've been walking us through um, Jesus's prayer. This is his prayer on the night that he's betrayed. He's um, he's interceding for his people, and then uh, the next day he's going to go and die for them. Mm-hmm. Um, and and your um, your structure of this is um, related to the petitions, right? So there's five petitions, mm. main main petitions, right? And so you've just been walking us through. Mm centered on those petitions Mm -hmm. so the first petition was jesus praying for himself Mm -hmm. praying for his own glory Mm -hmm. um his second one let's see i'm trying to remember i I know the sermons but i'm trying to remember exactly how you phrase them well the second one the the second one was who who he's praying for so it was it wasn't a petition yeah right um the next one was that they would be kept yes right Mm -hmm. okay and then this one is that they might be sanctified right all right. Yep. Okay. Well, um, let's have you uh, let's have you read it. And okay. Then we'll uh, we'll jump into the uh, your sermon outline. All right. Sanctify them in the truth. Your word is truth. As you sent me into the world, so I have sent them into the world. And for their sake, I consecrate myself, that they also may be sanctified in the truth. Okay. There it is. All right. You got verse twenty highlighted. It was drawing oh, my attention yeah, yeah. while you were <laughs> sorry about that. Yeah, <laughs> while you were reading it. Okay, all right. Sanctify them in the truth. Um, well, I, I think that um, maybe the first thing that we need to talk about is that word sanctification. Yeah. I like how you uh, you mentioned that you grew up in a church and you thought that grace was something that ballerinas had. <laughs> yeah, that's what I. I think I don't. Know, I, I just don't. Uh, I don't imagine you thinking about ballerinas and their grace very yeah, often. I, so that that kind of stuck out when you said that. <laughs> no, I, I think I think it's for a long time I didn't understand what grace right. was. Right. Well, you know, I I call it Christianese. Yeah. We've got these we've got these words, these terms that are biblical terms, even. Yeah. And um, they just get thrown around so often that we just don't even think about what they mean. Mm-hmm. And that's um that's a danger that every Christian can can fall into. We we just throw out these phrases, these words, and we we just forget what does this mean? Yeah, yeah. And sanctification is one of those words. Yeah. It it's a biblical word. It's it's right here, right? In verse 17 and and uh, and 19. But um what does it mean? So we need to define our terms first. Um it means to be set apart. Okay. That's literally what it means. Um so this word is where we also get the word holy from. Mm-hmm. So as it dis- as this word applies to God as holy, yeah. he's set <clears throat> apart from his creation. Okay. There he is there is no one like him. And it also has some has moral overtones as well. Uh God is morally perfect and pure. To- okay. He's totally other. So he's holy holy holy. Uh same word group and so the word sanctify means to set something apart, and usually what it means is to set something apart for God. Okay. So 
the uh, the temple is a set apart building from all other buildings. The tent, the tabernacle before the temple, was like no other tent in Israel. The utensils that were there, uh, they were not used to do other things in Israel, and then brought in and you know used in the worship of God. They were set apart only for that use. Even the gold of the temple, that's 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 like holy sanctified gold because God has set it apart to Himself. The altar, uh, but then Aaron and his brothers. So it applies to people as well. Uh, they are taken from all the other tribes and set apart to God, and for a purpose, to lead in worship. And even the nation of Israel is a set apart people that God has chosen out of the world and set apart for Himself. Yeah. So that's what the word means. It means to be set apart. Okay. All right. So last last week we saw that uh, Jesus prayed that we would be kept, that we wouldn't fall away. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> and now uh, this uh, this past sermon is that we might be sanctified. Mm-hmm. And um, I, I think that it's it's really telling when we're 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 reminded this is his last prayer for his people before he goes to the cross for them. So the things that he is requesting, the things that he's praying about, are important. These are not throwaway requests. So he prays that we wouldn't fall away. So that should remind us of the, uh, I think, the danger of falling away. Mm. Um, but the comfort that we have that Jesus prayed that we would be kept. And now the importance of being sanctified. Mm. That we are sanctified, but we also ought to be sanctified. Mm-hmm. Right? Yeah. Okay. So um, you, uh, your outline was three statements about sanctification. Yeah. So we've got our, our definition that sanctification is being set apart as holy. Yeah. Um, and so we've got three statements about that. And uh, through these statements, we get the answer to some big questions. Mm-hmm. Right? Um, why am I not growing in sanctification? I think, I think every Christian has probably had that thought before. Yeah. Um, how do I grow? So if we're supposed to be sanctified, how, how does that even happen? Right? And then what's my purpose in life? Mm-hmm. That's a question that probably everyone has thought at some point. All right, so your three statements. Uh, number one is Jesus' petition reveals who does it, who does sanctification, right. and the means yeah. by which we are sanctified. Mm-hmm. Uh, number two is Jesus' purpose for our sanctification. So we're supposed to be sanctified for what? Yeah. What, what is that? What, what are we supposed to be doing because we're sanctified? Uh, and then number three, Jesus' precondition for our sanctification. Yep. That. That's right. All right. Okay. All right. Well, number one, Jesus's petition reveals who does the sanctifying and the means by which we are sanctified. Right. So each of these uh, each of these statements um, fall in with one verse. Yeah. Right. So we're looking at verse seventeen again. Mm-hmm. Sanctify them in the truth. Your word is truth. Yep. That's right. Okay, well, that answers the question of who does it. That's right, it does. Let's move on. Let's yeah, move yeah. on to number two. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Okay, so who does it? Uh, God does it to it. All right. He does, he's, okay. He's, he has done it and is doing it, okay. I think is a more accurate way to say it. Okay, yeah. all right. Um, so you, uh, you probably know this already. If you're going to throw out some Greek, you're going to, you're going to, you're gonna catch me. And it's like Uh-oh. that's like the bait. That's okay. like the perfect bait. If you're throwing out the throwing out the bait, I'm gonna take it. Okay. All right. All right. So uh, you start talking about imperatives uh-huh. um, because this is an imperative. Right. So Jesus is talking to God, uh-huh. and he uses an imperative. That's a command. Right. Um, it's also a request. Right. So I've I've been looking. I've been reading about these imperatives all morning uh-huh. since I got to the office. Okay. <laughs> I've been right, reading right. about imperatives. Um, so this is an imperative. Sanctify them. Yeah. All right. So Jesus is making a request to the Father Yeah. that God would do something. Uh-huh. And what's interesting, and this is probably going to lose half our audience, <laughs> and we really can't we really can't afford to lose anybody. <laughs> <But> <laughs> I found this interesting. Um because he uses the er- the aorist uh-huh. tense. Uh-huh. Um, this is a past tense form of mm-hmm. a verb. 
Um, and what I discovered as I was reading about this is that when it's an aorist imperative, when it's in that form instead of a present tense, it's talking about the whole. Uh huh. So there's a. It, it, this is not just accidental. You're right. Um, we we don't think about this very much in English because we we haven't spent much time in in grammar anyway. Mm-hmm. Um, and the English language isn't nearly as rich as. Um, some of these classical languages. But I thought we were advanced civilization. Hey, hey, and they were a bunch of dummies back in the right. back in the day. <laughs> right. Isn't that what everyone thinks today? Uh, yeah, that's what everyone thinks. Um, but uh, you look at these classical languages, and they've got—I mean, their grammar is just so much more in depth than ours is. Um, but so this is when he says sanctify them, and he uses that tense mm-hmm. of of the the word of this imperative. He means the whole. Mm-hmm. So it's not just it's not just sanctify them in the past. It's not just sanctify them in the future. It's do this work of sanctifying them. Mm-hmm. And so, like you said, this is a this is something that happens in the past, but it's something that's also ongoing into the future. And because Jesus is praying this to the Father, and Jesus always has his prayers answered. Yep. Right? This is a. I hope the for Father us. always hears my words. He, he always hears. He'll he answers Jesus. He'll do what Jesus asks of him, and so this is the hope that Christians have. Mm-hmm. It's just like being kept. Mm-hmm. Like we we have that security that we are going to be kept because Jesus prayed that we would be kept. Mm-hmm. We know that we are going to be sanctified because Jesus prayed to the Father that yeah. we would be sanctified, and so from start to finish, the sanctification process is as good as done. Mm-hmm. Um, but we do see um, throughout the New Testament these two aspects. Yes. So what's it mean to be sanctified in the past? Because um, we we think a lot about justification. Right. Like that's a one-time event, right? In the past, we're declared not guilty before God. But what's it mean to be sanctified in the past? Right. So let me find the verse. Okay. So it it is you think about it this way there is a positional and absolute aspect of sanctification okay that God does mm-hmm. when he saves someone positional and absolute then okay. there's separately the progressive and uh practical type way okay. of looking at it but positional and absolute is that God has taken us out of the world so and that's how Jesus refers to us in this prayer mm-hmm. I'm not praying for them but for those you have given me there, you know, so he right. refers to this people that God has taken out of the world to himself and given to Jesus. So when we're saved, God removes us from the positional place in where we were mm-hmm. as part of the world and has placed us in a different position. He set us apart to himself okay. as his own. Right now, of course, we know this happens in eternity past, but we experience it when we are converted. Mm-hmm. And it's a positional and absolute thing. It's like justification. Right. Justification is that forensic legal term. This is more of a uh, spatial relational term. Okay. Right. There is a distinction, and uh, so Paul uses them both, kind of in in a right around the same in the same sentence or uh, verse. First Corinthians six eleven. As such were some of you, but you were washed, you were sanctified, you were sanctified, Mm -hmm. you were justified in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ by the Spirit of our God. So they're not the same thing. You can't like... Yeah. But they are both once and for all. Okay. Right? So he's set us apart to himself. Mm -hmm. And as we know, as we understand the rest of the Bible, once he's done that, he doesn't just like get tired of you and throw you back into the world. Right. Then the process begins of of progressively changing you over time to make you more and more like his son. Okay. And that's the progressive and practical part. Okay. And and so we when we come to our Bible, we also find verses that re- refer to us as being sanctified. Mm-hmm. And so that would mean that it's an ongoing process. Right. I like how you see it together in Hebrews chapter 10, mm-hmm. uh, Hebrews chapter 10, verse 10. By that will, we have been sanctified mm-hmm. through the offering of um, the body of Jesus Christ once for all. Mm-hmm. So that's the, 
at one time we've been taken from the world and we've been given the Jesus, we've been sanctified. But then later on uh, in verse uh, 14, it says, for by a single offering, he has perfected for all time those who are being sanctified. Yep. So one time, and now we are, it's, um, I've heard it described as being who you are. Mm -hmm. So we've been sanctified. So now we're supposed to grow into that sanctification. Mm -hmm. Like you have been set apart. So you need to live in such a way that you are growing in that set apartness. Yeah. Right. You, uh, you made the, you had the illustration of the, uh, China. Mm -hmm. Uh, you've got plates, (laughs) right? Not China, the country. Not China, the country. China is the the plates, the plates and and uh, you know silverware that you use what once or twice a year, mm. right? We uh, did you guys did you guys register for China when you, we did. you guys got married? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Such a weird thing, isn't I, it? It's our generation thing. Maybe. It is. <laughs> yeah, gotta have the special plates. Right, we got the special plates. <laughs> <laughs> they're just breaking they're, out on Easter. They're just as good as the others. Easter, they, they, Easter dinner. They hold they hold the food just as well. <laughs> uh, but they're special, yeah. right? We've got a china cabinet in in our dining room. That's where you put the special plates. Mm-hmm. Um, we've got special silverware that only makes its way out <laughs> once or twice a year. It's put in a special place. It's so weird. Yeah, it is. It's. <laughs> I remember the first time I heard that illustration. I was yeah. like, uh, "That makes so much sense to me." Yeah, because I mean, it, it, most people can identify with that. If you don't have it, you know your parents did it. Uh huh. You know? Right. You know someone that has yeah. a china cabinet with with the special plates. Yeah, they're set. They're set apart. Even if you even if you don't have like a china cabinet, you've got you've got something that you break out on special occasions. Mm-hmm. That's that's the picture of sanctification. You've you've got this special, and and that's how that's how the the people of God are described in the Old and the New Testament. You'll be my special possession. Mm-hmm. Um, that that picture, and we talked about this, I think, when we were going through First Peter, is that God owns everything. He he owns all the riches of the world, but the church is his special possession. This is his this is mo- his most treasured of his treasures. You've seen The Hobbit, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, Thorn, Oak, and Shield. He's looking for the the Ark and Stone, mm-hmm. right? When they go into uh, they go into the the mountain, they're looking for that one that one jewel. There's this room that's just filled with gold. Yeah, they're looking for that one that one rock. Yeah, that's that's the special the special possession. Yeah, that's the sanctified stone, mm-hmm. right? Um, all right, so God does this. So we are, we can say we are sanctified. We've been set apart. But we are supposed to continue to be sanctified. We're supposed to right. live in a certain way. Uh-huh. How are we supposed to do that? Um, well, before I get there, let's let's make the statement so that people know if God has done this for you and, may, and called you to himself and you're a Christian, um, you may go through times of discouragement, be, being discouraged and setbacks even. Mm. But because Jesus did pray for this, it will happen, and it will right. come to completion. So the progress doesn't just continue on for, you know, millennia into eternity. Right, right. It and will, and it, that's that's Philippians one verse six. Yeah. Um, he who began a good work in you, he who sanctified you, will bring it to completion on the day of Christ Jesus. Right. So there is a day when you will be um, <clears throat> completely sanctified. Yeah. That's right, and and again, that the the emphasis of that verse is on God. Mm-hmm. He who began a, a good work in you, that's right. He will bring it to completion. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It, it's true. You know, if you're not motivated, uh, a simple prayer would be, "God, motivate me." I can't motivate myself. Yeah, and I think it's a prayer that God answers. Right, because He, it's His will for you. And yeah. you're praying, and you're praying according to His will for you, and I think He will supply the motivation. This um, this this touches upon God's sovereignty and human responsibility, mm-hmm. because God is the one who's going to do it. But you still are living in this world, and you're called to live a holy life. You're called to it. You're, you're called to do it. Um, for su- for my Sunday school class, we've been it's a Sunday school class on prayer, and the last several weeks we've been um, dealing with the subject of praying the Bible. Mm-hmm. 
pray God has revealed his will to us, we take that and we we turn it back into prayer. And I think this is a perfect passage for us to do. It, verse 17, sanctum, sanctify them by the truth. Your word is truth. We can pray back, God, sanctify me and sanctify me in the means by which you've given, mm-hmm. right? And so the means by which he sanctifies us is his word. Yeah. He says, sanctify them in the truth. Mm-hmm. Your word is truth. Right. I think that's incredibly relevant and vital for our time. Um, I made the the illustration, and the and it really bothers me when I hear people say it. It's like one of those things that makes me cringe, where they say like, "Speak your truth." <laughs> Have you heard people say that? Oh yeah. Tell me your truth. Right. Speak your truth. Mm-hmm. And then you know the person will elaborate on whatever their philosophy of life is, or how they see this thing or that thing or whatever. Yeah. And then it may be the other person's turn. Okay, I'm listening now, and now you speak your truth, and, yeah. and we can understand each other. And even though the ideas that we both hold may be completely contradictory to right. each other, the place that it ends is you can have your truth, and I've got my yeah. truth, and it's my b- both I have, valid. I have my entire worldview that I've kind of just emerges out of my mm-hmm. idea of everything. Right. And. That, and that's my truth. Yeah, it's completely completely illogical. It, it simply cannot bear the weight because right. of uh, contradiction contradictions, right? right. Like uh, an atheist, um, an atheist can't have his truth, and the Christian has his truth, and they come together and like, well, we disagree, but you know, they're both equally valid, right? Like one person's going to get angry at the other person, right? Right? Yeah, they. We can't. You can't hold contradictory things together. Yeah, right. It, it's. It can't go on uh, yeah. forever. I mean, it can go on for a while, and we can slowly mm-hmm. denigrate and uh, just dissolve into. You right. know, I don't know what we what we become if God doesn't intervene. Yeah. Um, so this verse, it, it it says. I mean, it's it's so it's so simple. It's so um, um, precise and and short. But it it tells us about God's word. Your word is truth. Right. So there's not your truth and my truth. There's not, you know, uh, as many different truths as there are people on the planet. Right. There's one truth, yeah. and it's it's in the Bible. And so if we're going to be sanctified, it can't just be sanctified by my truth. It can't just be what I think is best. <clears throat> Follow your heart, the, and you're going to be sanctified. Yeah. You have to be sanctified by the truth. And, and what is meant by truth here, when Jesus says this, right, he's not saying the Bible contains every truth that right. exists in the universe, right? right? You don't come here to learn calculus, but the foundation of calculus is here. Why would anyone want to learn calculus anyway, <laughs> I Jay? Know. I don't know. They want to maybe go to Mars with Elon, <laughs> Elon Musk on his, on his uh, journey? Yeah. Want to sign up for that? <laughs> sure. He's try, trying to take sign-ups. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> uh, you're not going to go here to figure out how to how to have a good baseball swing, yeah. right? But the foundational truths of the universe are here. The most important things, like who, what is a man? Mm. What is what is a human being? Right. Um, how did the universe get here? <laughs> you know, things that uh, other other. I mean, everyone has a different version of these things. But Jesus said, "This is the truth." What yeah. is the truth about creation? It's here. What is the truth about man? It's here. What is the truth about human sexuality? It's here. Yeah. What is the truth about how uh, you ought to live your life in relation with your other fellow human beings? It's all here. Um, the truth about who God is and how we're to live with him, it's all here. And Jesus has talked about the truth many times in the gospel of john that's mm. that's one of the big things he talks about we we talked about john chapter 8 on uh free for all last week you you will know the truth and the truth will set you free mm-hmm. right um he's he said in this discourse he said that i am the way the truth and the life so there's there's this understanding that the the word of god it's testifying to who jesus is mm-hmm. um and so you can't be a, an unbeliever coming to the Bible like it's a magic book and I'm going to be transformed by it apart from Christ who is the living word. Right. Right. Christ is the word of God made made flesh. Mm-hmm. And we could dovetail off of oh, yeah. a <laughs> yeah, massive <we> <laughs> theological right. explanation of how Christ 
outflows from the Father as mm-hmm. revelation, right? Like as water would flow out of a fountain, uh-huh. but eternally, right? And so, as He speaks creation into existence, it's mm-hmm. the it's the Word creating. Right. Um, and so he's the embodiment of all that truth is right. in a person. And so what is left behind by him are all of his words and everything humanity needs. He's entrusted it to the disciples, and providentially it's been passed down to us through this word. Yeah. That's the means by which God continually sets apart a people for himself mm-hmm. as they live in the world, but they're not part of the world anymore. And so they're changing. God changes a people to be more like himself, and he has a way that he does it, and the way he's chosen to do that is through his word. Yeah. So if you are not experiencing sanctification, um, one of the things that you need to look at first is your devotion to the word. Right. Right? Are you spending time in it? Um, Are you meditating upon it? Are you memorizing it? And then are you doing it? Yes. Or are you just reading it and walking away and, and... just a disconnect between your life and what you're reading about. Right. Um, so you have to be a, a doer of the word and not just a hearer of the word. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah, you can't cut yourself off. And this is why the blip the past year mm-hmm. has been so devastating for a lot of people. Yeah. I think a lot of people uh, have cut themselves off from the word, and they need to, if they have, they need to stop, right? They need to yeah. go back. Uh, there's a, a picture I want to show you. Well... It's one of the things I was saving for Free For All Friday, but I'll just tell it to you. It's, one, it's, a, it's a, I think, you know, one of the best preachers in the world, H.B. Charles. Mm-hmm. I think he's the best preacher alive right now. Yeah. And uh, he posts a picture of his church service on Sunday. There was nobody there. Mm. I'm like, are you kidding me? Wow. Like, are you, you can't be that afraid of this that you've cut. And it's been a year. And he said this is the right. first time back in a year. Wow. You can't cut yourself off from the word and think positive things are going to happen in your life. Right. They're not. Yeah. It's going to be devastating to your marriage, to your mm-hmm. relationship with your children, to everything. Yeah. You, just, you can't do it. Right. So you've got to be uh, exposed to the word continually through being at church, hearing preaching, um, listening to it, listen to the word through the week, read it. Um, read books about it even, and and uh, that's how you're sanctified. You know, right. you don't get sanctified by going off and meditating in nature. Right. <laughs> I mean, the the you can see this going back to Genesis chapter three and and the tactics of of the serpent with Eve. What does he What's he do? <laughs> he doesn't He doesn't um, just come out and say, you know, just go eat that. It's gonna be It's gonna be fine. Mm. The very first thing he says is. Has God really said? Mm-hmm. Like his 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 point of attack is God's word, um, and that should that should illuminate us to the importance of God's word in our lives. If that's if that's where the devil is attacking, that's the place where it's most vital that we we're strong, mm-hmm. and we ha- we have to be devoted to the word, right. um, because the devil is going to come and make us question it or ignore it or twist it serve our own purposes. We have to come to the Word, um, know the Word, meditate upon it, do it, because that's how we're sanctified. Right. Right. Yeah, if if you told people, like, hey, there's an object you can touch, and if you touch this object every day, energy will, will, will move from that object into your hand, and you'll become a better Christian every day. I bet you everybody would wake up and touch it. They'd be like, put their hand on it, and they would touch it. Well, this is the same thing. It just takes more active effort. But as your eyes engage the text, Mm -hmm. the information is, it's not just some other book. It's God's Word. So God's words have an effect. Mm -hmm. They actually affect your mind. They change it. And as your mind is changed then your heart begins to change, and then your actions begin to follow from that. Mm. Yeah. All right, so we don't need to be lazy with the Word. 
right? Because it is the means by which God is given to sanctify us, right. to cause us to walk in holiness. All right. Well, we could we could just yeah. plant ourselves in that that first verse, but we'll we've got to pick we'll up move, the pace. We'll here. move on to uh, <laughs> we'll move on to number two, which is verse eighteen. Jesus's purpose for our sanctification. So there's a reason for this. Yeah. yeah what yeah. is it? it? It's clear, right? It's right there. Yep. Uh, to be sent into the world. Yeah. As you sent me into the world, so I have sent them into the world. Okay. So you're set apart for religious use, just like any object of the Old Testament or Aaron yeah. and his brothers. You're set apart for use yeah. by God for God. And there's there's a purpose for it. There's a purpose behind it, purpose for it. And the purpose is to go back into the world. Okay. It takes you out of the world, changes you, sanctifies you to send you back. Right. Yeah, uh, and we talked about this. You you brought up the illustration from uh, Friday with Ibram uh, ex Kendi. Yes, um, and his words about we got to we got to move away from the savior theology. Um, Jesus was a revolutionary. He came to rescue people from their oppressors, and that's what the church is supposed to do. We're supposed right. to liberate people. Yeah, liberation theology. Uh-huh. Um, we don't need to be thinking that we're supposed to go to all these backwards people and change their, you know, we got to save them from their, what they're doing. Mm. Right? But you said, well, if we're going to understand what we've been sent into the world to do, we need to understand what Jesus was sent into the world to do. Because he said, as you sent me into the world, so here's what, whatever his purpose is, in the same way I'm sending them into the world. So how do we know what Jesus is? Didn't he? Just come to liberate the oppressed, Jay. <laughs> You're right. Didn't he just come to make sure that the the yeah. poor weren't under the thumb of the of the rich? He came to overthrow the Romans, right? <laughs> well, that's what they wanted him to do. Yeah. And so you can you can see clearly um, that that's not what he came to do by his refusal to participate in mm. that or be or allow them to use that in that way. Yeah. They saw him, in him a miracle worker. After he fed the thousands in John chapter six, and they want to take him, make him king by force, yeah, because they think, oh, he can do miracles. Well, he can overthrow this army, and he he doesn't participate in that. That's not what he's here for. I mean, he tell he tells you in various places in other gospels why he came. The Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve, but and to give his life as a ransom mm-hmm. for many. Right. He came to give his life for a people. That's what he says. Yeah. And we, as we talked about. Last free for all in John chapter eight, he he talks about how anyone who sins is a slave to sin, but if the Son sets you free, you will be free indeed, and that's the reason why he came. So he comes sent by the Father, revealing the truth, glorifying the Father, revealing the truth of who God is, revealing the truth of who man is as those who are enslaved to their sin, lovers of darkness rather than lovers of light calling them to himself that if anyone would come to him, they might have life and have it abundantly and have it freely, and he'll give them eternal life. And so that's what we see all through this gospel is him calling sinners to himself and the the people not coming. That's the irony of it all. (laughs) Jesus says to the disciples, are you going to go away now too? And he says, "Well, well, to whom will we go? You have the words of eternal life. Because he, he tells them what he came to do, and it's not what they want him to do. They they want him to liberate them from yeah. the Romans mm-hmm. and set up a kingdom. And he's not he's not been sent to do that. Right. He's been sent to save us from our sins, which is even worse than the Romans. And they they just ignore it and say, Well, he's not the he's not the guy. He's yeah, he's come to deal with the number one problem. And the number one problem that we have is that we're under the wrath of God. Mm-hmm. Yeah. We're separated from God of our own doing, because we love sin, and that which we love has become our oppressor, it's enslaved us, we can't free ourselves from it, and so we are separated from God, and he's come to rescue us out of that dreadful state. And uh, people like Ibram X. Kendi don't like that either. No. They don't want that either. They still want the Jesus who's the revolutionary who will save them from the Romans, mm-hmm. right? Um, but he's come to save us from something worse. Now he says, "As as you've sent me, so I send them." Uh-huh. Um, but obviously, we haven't been sent to die for the sins of the world, right? Right. We haven't been sent to live a perfect life in obedience to the law, so that people can look to us 
and be saved. Mm-hmm. Right? So we have to make a distinction between Jesus' uh, uniqueness yeah. and our purpose that we've been sent into the world for. Right. So he was sent to save us. And what have we been sent to do? Uh, we carry on his his revelatory ministry. Okay, right. That's that's a big word, Jay. What does that mean? He comes revealing the truth of who God is into the world. Okay, and the world doesn't like that truth. And and he also tell he, when he prays for us, he prays for us because the world hates us. Mm-hmm. And the reason the world hates us, if you read John in context, is because he's given us his word, and we have kept his word. Therefore, the world hates us because we're not of the world. So the revelatory ministry continues in Jesus's people. Okay. By us uh, being Jesus followers and taking His word into the world, we're revealing the truth of who God is as as a good, loving, holy God. Mm. But that truth also reveals who we are as those in rebellion against this good, holy God. Okay, and it reveals that we are sinners and need rescuing. And people don't like to hear that that message. Um, Jesus came glorifying the Father. We go out into the world glorifying the Father and glorifying Christ. He came to die for sinners. We carry the message that he came to die for sinners, uh, that he rose again on the third day, and you can find freedom. You can truly be free in Christ from your sin. And so every Christian is a bearer of that. Like, we're sent ones. Right. It's... And and we, we wrongly, I think, only associate this maybe with ministers... Um, we can see how that works. A minister, an evangelist, a missionary, but this is for disciples, mm. and this is the power and the beauty of the church, the potential. The church has massive potential when everyday regular people begin to understand this. Right. Jesus sent mm. you yeah. into the world. Um, you know, in the missional church movement, they call it, uh, uh, you're incarnating Oh yeah, right. that's uh-huh. they like to use that incarnational language, right. and they are right in that sense. Mm-hmm. Um, God, wa- he he became a man. He came and dwelt with us. Now, as if everyone is sent, and we are all are sent. There's not a corner of this earth that is safe right. from being infiltrated <laughs> by one of the sent ones. Right? There's nowhere that's safe. Yeah. Uh, Kim Jong Un. His, his he and his core of people are not safe. Yeah. They may think they're safe, but they're not safe because if world history tells us anything, uh, if God providentially works this, the gospel could work its way into his most inner guard. Right. This is what happened with Caesar. Mm-hmm. The end of Philippians, it ends like that. The Praetorian Guard have people on that have come to hear and to believe the gospel. Yeah. The household of Caesar. Yeah. Right. So, so this has... Um, you know, just massive worldwide implications, like you said. Um, I, I think, and and I, um, I've I've been, uh, I hate to use the word victim of this mindset that it's the pastor's job to do all of this stuff, and if the church isn't growing, it's the pastor's fault. If there's not been baptisms, well, that's the pastor's fault. But um, it's the job of the church to go, every single person. Mm-hmm. And um, the the power of this is that the congregation can go places that we're never going to go. Mm-hmm. Like we've got Christians who are in schools. Um, we've got Christians that um, are in the military, who work in um, retail and and restaurants and and all kinds of places that you and I can't go and talk to people that we're never going to meet. Yeah. If you just if you just leave it to the pastor, the church is going to weaken and it, we are not going to see converts because the pastor is one person and they can he can only be in one place. Mm-hmm. And there's some places he's just not going to be able to go. Yeah. Um and so if the church really took this seriously and said, "I've been set apart for this service. This is what this is the meaning of life, right? This mm-hmm. is the this is the reason why I was born. <laughs> yeah, is to glorify God as being sanctified as this tool, this instrument. This is the purpose of my life. Yeah, there's and, a, you, and you can go places that the pastor is not going to be able to go. 
evangelists aren't going to be able to go everywhere that you can go. Yeah. There's this, there's this, uh, this little story that I just thought about, as you said, you know, Albert Pujols, mm-hmm. he's the greatest he'll, in history. He'll be the greatest baseball hitter. I think offensive hitter ever. Um, he's at the end of his career now. Um, and it's, it's really neat because he became a Christian in Kansas City around the time that I played baseball with him, not because of me. I yeah. think his wife actually is the one that uh, led him to the Lord. Mm-hmm. But he's a Christian, and he lives his life like a Christian. Yeah. And he's um, influenced a lot of people that, know, that we'll never get to. Like right. I think of one, uh, Yadier Molina, mm-hmm. the catcher of the Cardinals right now. Dude's got tattoos on his neck and like – you and I would never have access to him. I don't right. know of any other like ministers that would be able to gain access to him because right. how he's separated from the rest of society in, right. that, in yeah. that job. Yeah. But yeah, here he is, you know, he's on a flight with Albert Pujols. Right. And the gospel's brought to him. Mm. That's ordinary I mean he, the ordinary people, professional athletes. <laughs> right. But they're ordinary people. Right. And the same thing would apply to anyone. Yeah. Um uh you know, you you work at Chick Fil A. Mm-hmm. I mean, who, who, wherever you can name anything. Aren't they all, all Christians over there at Chick Fil A, uh, Jay? Uh, no, no <laughs> nobody. I had to break that to everybody. Um, yeah, no. They're, yeah, they're ordinary people doing ordinary things, taking an extraordinary gospel to the ends of the earth. Mm. Um, and even, even you know, stay-at-home moms, you you know, homeschool parents, like you have a ministry to your children that could affect world history you have no idea right um this and the church is crippled when the ordinary people in the pews don't recognize this they don't understand i've got the gospel and i can go out and here's a person that my pastor is never going to be able to reach this person but i work next to them every single day Mm -hmm. i can bring the gospel to them and god could do a, a work that's right and um just be, this is this is the the strength of the church. It it does go to every corner. God and it will be preached to all creatures. God has providentially arranged for all of His people to hear the gospel, mm-hmm. and it could be that you, in wherever you find yourself, yeah. are that person. You just need to have your ears open to how God. I mean, I cannot even tell you how many times in regular everyday circumstances, yeah. and I I call it God throwing me a hanging curveball. <laughs> like you see a hanging yeah. curveball, you see it. You you recognize it, mm. and you don't try to just get a base hit. Like you hit that sucker into the upper deck, yeah, right. So providentially, God's hanging curveballs for you all over the place, right. And you just have to pay attention yeah. and be aware. Be faithful where you are. And people may say something or pose a question, mm-hmm. and you're right there. You're you're the person, right. You need to seize the opportunity. It's not, not accidental, right. This is a high view of God's sovereignty and His providence, mm-hmm. right. You are where you are. Because God put you there. That's right. And that's not an accident. You're not just a, a faceless number. Like God knows who you are. He has set you apart for this purpose. He's put you where you are for a reason. Be faithful. Yeah. Um, I, and I, I couldn't help but um, you know, recognize that there is an organic link between 17 and 18. Mm-hmm. Like you can't be faithful in 18 if you're not being sanctified by the word. If you're right. if you're living a worldly lifestyle. And then you try to tell someone about this life-changing gospel, they're not going to listen to you because you why? Like why would why would they listen to you? So you have to you have to be sanctified, right? Um, how are you going to communicate the gospel to them if you don't know the word? Like, what are you going to say? Mm-hmm. Um, it's the gospel that saves. It's not your uh, as as great as a personal testimony is. That's not the gospel. That's a testimony to how the gospel has changed you. But in order for them to be changed, it's not by emulating you, it's by hearing the gospel. Mm-hmm. Now, how are you going to give them the gospel if you're not sanctified by the word? Right. Um, so there's there's a link there between 17 and 18. You can't be faithful in 18 unless you are living a holy life. Yeah. You're, you're recognizing that God has set me apart, and so I have to be not in the world, or, or not of the world, in the world, but not of the world. Right. I, I have to be set apart and be holy. Yeah, that's right. right. Yeah, yeah. All right. Well, we've got one more point. Yeah. Um, this is uh, verse 19, Jesus's precondition for our sanctification. Right. So something has to happen mm-hmm. in order for us to be sanctified. Right. 
So yeah, the word the word here in the English Bible is consecration, or I con- I consecrate myself. Yeah, you see that, and for their sake, that's the people he's praying for us, yeah. um, his disciples. For their sake, I consecrate myself. Yeah, so, same, same word, yeah. same word for sanctification. Yeah. yeah, so that they also may be sanctified in the truth. So there's a precondition that's got to be met, and the precondition is this. Um, Jesus has set himself, he's set his face, that's how we usually say it, he's determined mm-hmm. to go to the cross so that he could secure for his people what is needed for their sanctification. Yeah. The, this term uh, that we have, consecration, consecrate, captures the idea better, because again, the range of meanings. Right. We, we automatically go to, to, be, to be morally purified. Mm-hmm. Well, that obviously doesn't apply to Jesus. He's not praying to morally purify himself. Right. Um, he's he's praying in the sense that as God commands um, in in the Old Testament that the firstborn uh, you would take the firstborn of your flock and set it apart for a sacrifice. Right. That's that's how the word is being used. That's how Jesus is praying it. Yeah. Um, he consecrates or he dedicates himself. For that which is necessary for his people to be sanctified. Okay. This is union with Christ language. Mm-hmm. Like that's that's where sanctification arises. It arises from us being in union with the sanctified one, the one who's been set apart mm-hmm. as the uh, the sacrifice. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, and yeah. so, in union with him, now we are sanctified. Also, mm-hmm. we're we're set apart. Also, it's not because of our goodness. It's not because God saw we are such a great person. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> oh well, you know, uh, Jay Jones is—he's uh, such a great communicator. I could really use him. <laughs> right. right. You're, you're set apart because of Christ, because of God's love for you in Christ. Right. And so you've been sanctified in Him. Yeah, that's right. Um, and things to consider quickly about this is Jesus, he, he operates as the priest and the sacrifice. Mm-hmm. It's a, just a theological observation. Right. He's praying. It's the picture of the high priest. He's interceding on behalf of his people, but in the Old Testament, they take you know, the blood of an animal in there, mm. and Jesus doesn't, doesn't consecrate you know, a sacrifice like that, but times a million. Right, he, he he's he's consecrating as a high priest the best sacrifice yeah. himself. That's Hebrews ten again. Mm-hmm. Hebrews ten uh, yeah. verse ten. It's it's by his sacrifice that we have been sanctified. Yep. So he's the the priest and he's the sacrifice. He also does it freely. I consecrate myself, mm-hmm. and it's important for us to know this. I think we should because we because because we can think about God as um, sometimes robotic almost. Yeah. Okay, so in the Trinity, uh, well, first off, Jesus has he said that he desires our joy. Right. Like, what does he want of you? Not just to be some obedient, sanctified robot. Right. These things he's praying for us because it's the key to joy. But also consider that he freely gives himself to this task. Yeah. He wasn't a victim of humanity. Um, and I said this is just purely hypothetical, right? In the Trinity, before time began, right. they didn't like draw straws to see who would incarnate and <laughs> die for sinners. Right. There, there's a people, and Jesus. I think from re- reading the text, we can see that he has a love for these people, which motivates him to offer himself for this task. They covenant together. That's the yeah. that's the the language of the. Reformers, the, the covenant of redemption. Yes. That the Father and the Son and the Spirit, they covenant together. Yeah. Like this is an unbreakable agreement together. Yeah. That we're we're gonna do this. Yeah. And I think we should know that he doesn't do it begrudgingly. Mm-hmm. He does it freely. Right. Out of the love for his people. For the joy that's set before him. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So and, and this is particular. Yeah. You didn't you didn't bring this up, but it's it's all over the place. It's all. I, I it's think. I think. I think. If you're ever, if you are struggling with the doctrine of limited atonement, it's it's all over John 17. Just go to John 17, and you can see it. Yeah. But it's it's for their sake. It's on their behalf. He consecrates himself. Yes. This is not just this general, you know, 
whoever mm-hmm. whoever's out there one day maybe they'll come and they'll they'll be sanctified because i've consecrated myself no it's for them that i'm consecrating myself so that they'll be sanctified in the truth yeah right so this right. is this is deliberate and definite and jesus loves you mm-hmm. he loves you um, as an individual as a person and so out of that love that christ has had for us we ought to in turn love him and keep his commandments and go out and share the gospel that's right, right? yeah we i didn't bring this up so we went a little long like usual um but we ought to consecrate ourselves mm. it's like jesus is sent by the father but he says i consecrate myself for this yeah now that we've been set apart mm. right we ought to consecrate ourselves yeah and commit ourselves to this right you don't you don't fall into sanctification by accident, right? Right. It's not, it's not it you have to be deliberate about it. Mm-hmm. That's right. Okay. All right. Well, that can that can look uh, yeah, you know, all kinds of ways as we uh flee from sin and pursue um that which is good. All right. Okay. Well, thank you for uh for joining us today. It's uh it's always a pleasure to be able to talk about uh the scriptures with you, Jay, and and hopefully this has been helpful for you, beneficial as we've been wor- working our way through John chapter 17. I encourage you to go back and uh listen to the sermon, listen to the previous sermons and podcasts and and just uh be strengthened by this as we pursue holiness. God has done a great work for us in Christ, and we are called to be holy and sanctified. And um, that's what the purpose of this podcast is. It's to help you to be sanctified as you're conformed to the image of Christ. So we'll see you next time.